Hey, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking with Emily and Justin from Root and River. They are really into branding and they are kindred spirits to me when it comes to coming at branding from a holistic point of view. We're going to be talking with them about how branding is a practice. Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. All right, you guys, I'm super excited about this episode. Emily and Justin's assistant contacted me a little while ago about having them on the show. And I proposed a topic, shall we say, that I wasn't sure if they would take because it's something I've been wanting to talk about for a while and they knocked it out of the park. So that the topic is about how branding is sometimes considered to be fluff or a, a nice to have thing. And their take is that if you feel this way, you probably haven't found your come alive moment just yet. I love their take on everything. We talk about the spiritual aspects of branding. We talk about how much easier branding is when you have a a deep truth within yourself, a, a mission, a thing you want to put out into the world. And because branding is so so rooted in yourself, to use their business word, how you go about getting that out of you and into practice. Like Chicken and Waffles branding strategists and Root and River co-founders Emily Sikorsi and Justin Foster are a speaking duo who have the it just works factor. The two each have their own acoustic sound as presenters, but together they make music they couldn't alone. Their speeches play out like a compelling dialogue unfolding in real time. They're approaching nearly 100 speaking engagements and podcast interviews under their belts, and they're able to create a collaboration in action experience to capture the minds and hearts of those who are listening I know you guys are going to enjoy this. Let's hop right on into the interview. All right. Well, Justin and Emily, welcome to the No Like and Dress Show. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Brittany. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk with you guys. I will admit here, the last time I did a two-person interview was probably like three years ago. So I'm excited to see how you guys play off of each other. I know that's something that you guys actually excel at, but really excited more for our topic. So we'll, we'll jump right into that. You guys know all the branding things. This is obviously a show all about building up your know, like, and trust profile. But where do you guys come at that from? Like, what's your unique take on it? Thanks, Brittany. So what makes us unique is that we believe every great brand is a spiritual experience. We work with defiant leaders, leaders who are sure, certain that they want their business to change their industry or the world in some way. And what we do is we guide them on an inner journey to reveal the soul of the brand. So it's very spiritual on the one hand, which is which is very different, not religious in any way, but spiritual. And then on the other hand, it's super practical because from this core truth, we call it a root belief that then becomes a brand narrative from this set of a, a more language that develops out of this core definitiveness comes this practical way to market and really connect, build conversations and relationships, both within your organization, within yourself first always, and within your organization, and then within the market. So people can really truly know who you are based on what you stand for and the the change you want to create in the world. So when you're talking about building relationships at those different levels, like you gave us a few different levels there, where do you feel like a lot of people 
get off track because I think it's really easy for us to say things like, you know, your brand really needs to bring that out in you. But in the actual application phase, that's, I think, where most of the people I talk with struggle the most. Yeah, I think the starting point for that for many entrepreneurs or, you know, small business owners, even corporate marketers is they're not sure how to tell their story. And that produces a type of insecurity. And when you're feeling insecure, even if it's at a subconscious level, you revert to sameness. You sort of invoke Maslow's hierarchy, the second tier of acceptance, which we've got, you know, tens of thousands of years of social programming to not be kicked out of the tribe for being weird. However, in branding, being different is the goal, but it has to be authentic. So I think that's one. I think another area that starts to show up, especially in social media profiles and platforms and whatnot, is, there, is they're just not sure what to talk about. Two of the things that we help a client uncover is first is their mission, not a mission statement. Uh, nobody cares about those, but a, your mission, like what are you here to do that only you can do? And the second is more strategic in the sense of branding and marketing, which is what category do you want to own? And if you can't be number one or number two in a category, then you need to make your own category. And that will always give you something to talk about. You can always share your thoughts on your mission and your thoughts on your category. But it starts with a willingness and a courage to be different across the board in an authentic way. I love what you said. First of all, let's backtrack just a moment here. But I love what you said that if you can't be one or two in your category, it's time to make a new category. And I know that's probably really scary for some people to hear. And to that, I, I always like to remind people, you're already a business owner. You're, you're already a rebel. You are not working for a corporation. You're not working for somebody else. You, you already chose the rebellious path. So why stop now? Exactly, Brittany. I mean, I think there's something you know, renegade and heretical about being an entrepreneur. But even as, in our moments of greatest boldness, there's also always a little bit of imposter syndrome. And so when we present this idea of you create a category that is unique to you and will set you apart and you begin a larger conversation, the category is not about your product or service. It's about a bigger idea. There's definitely times where clients are like, wow, um, I'm not sure I can I can do that. And, you know, in our culture, it, it, everything is so hyped up and pace is crazy. Like you, I think as an entrepreneur, we're always falling victim to the idea we have to do it tomorrow. And in our practice is very organic. It's very sort of based on kind of agrarian principles. And it's like you begin this category one step at a time. First, we name it. First, we discover what it is. Then we name it. Then we define it. And really, I'm saying we, but we as Root and River and our client, like together, it's really the client's baby. And then you begin to have conversations, you begin to play with it, you begin to try it out, say, you know what, I'm in this business, but what I'm really interested in is this idea. And to make that more tangible for us, our category is intrinsic branding. We believe that, cat, that, that brands are really, they flow from the inside out, not from the outside in as was taught um, in the 20th century, that we had to create some false reality that was so glossy and gorgeous and delicious that people would, everyone would want it. Um, and, and we, as the individual or the business, had to cast about to figure out what was going to draw all those people to us and be that fake thing. And, you know, we believe the opposite of that, that who you are, what you believe is strong enough and rich enough and deep enough to attract the people who are very akin to your ideas 
And also that it will repel the people who don't believe what you believe. And that's just fine. That's a natural thing that happens. And so we invite people to think that, you know, branding is much more about repulsion than it is about attraction. So it takes courage to be an entrepreneur, as you rightly say. It also takes courage to to just go about that process of discovering what your category is. But if you can take it on with the spirit of, of play, with the spirit of one step at a time, it becomes a lot easier. Okay. So many good things there. I love that. Specifically, you're right. It does take courage. And that repulsion factor can feel... Well, I mean, it can feel like you're living out the imposter syndrome. Like when people repel you, it doesn't feel good from a human point of view. Yeah, that's true. And it's, but it's a matter of branding is about differentiation. That's the whole point is to be different. And I think the nuance here is about intention. So if you're being bombastic or intentionally offensive to get attention, all that, we're not, we're not talking about that. We're, what we're saying is, is that what you want to say to the world, say it. Now, does it might need to be wordsmith sometimes or, you know, maybe, you know, you got to read the room when sometimes when you are communicating. But if you're starting from a place of what your heart really wants to say to the world in your branding and marketing, then you're on on the right path. And the second thing I would say about that, Brittany, is that fear is something it's not something to eliminate in an entrepreneur. Having been an entrepreneur now for 18 years, I've. I like the way Pema Chodron, the Buddhist monk, refers to it as getting intimate with fear. So if there is fear that comes up related to imposter syndrome or standing out or saying something that might repel someone, that fear is an invitation to examine why that matters to you. And it's hard to be an entrepreneur anyway. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. It's, it, and the only other thing I can compare it to is being a parent because you're on 24-7 there's always somebody that needs something from you, especially when your kids are younger. And so where fear starts to come in is often an indicator with entrepreneurs is an indicator that they just need some rest. They just need to stop for a minute and get recentered instead of that go, go, go that is so commonplace with entrepreneurs. And if you can do that, if you can rest and get centered, even if it's for five minutes a day, then you will start to see that the fear will dissipate and your heart will start to perk up and you'll know what to say. And that's a very powerful place to operate in the world from, from the center of yourself with what you really want to say, as opposed to being in defensive posture, hoping to say the right thing to get the right, the response that you want. So I love what you guys are saying. And I think, I mean, the very, the very awful summary that I'm about to give here is that, you know, when you know what you want to do, when you feel that drive for what you want to do in the world, it's a lot easier to set up a brand. Yes, exactly. You know, branding, the the general like connotation of branding is that it's like this, people either think it's like your logo and your, your colors and your mark and all that. Right. Yeah. The, the standard. Yeah. <laughs> or they think it's like this big overwhelming thing that only big companies can really do or afford. And that seems to be like a lot, a lot of those two polarities of belief. And really, as is everything, I believe, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And the truth is accessible to everyone because it lies within you. So when you know how to tell your story, as Justin said earlier, when you know um, why your business exists, not because of a product or a service, but why, to your point, Brittany, why you feel this fire in your belly? Where does that come from? What 
big idea do you have? What seed has been planted in your soul that fires you up enough every day to take these risks to face this fear? And then there's, I think a lot of people begin to like go there and think about it, but there's this very, there's this bridge, this further bridge that a lot of people never cross to where they articulate it. They articulate that. And it's a simple, emotional and unexpected idea. And if they can capture that, that language and feel energetic when they share it, just that small act can transform everything in your business. That sounds really grand and I hate I don't want to sound too grandiose, but it is something very simple, something a little bit deep and complex as well, but it it does have the capacity to alter your sales process, alter your internal culture, alter um, the people that are coming to you so that you can build a business based on people that you serve who are already aligned and who are going to, through pandemics or other, whatever future chaos, they're gonna stay with you one way or another. It's firm ground that you can build upon. And um, I think it, it's it's this simple truth in the middle that just takes a little bit of time and space to go through and to get that clarity you need to move forward with with confidence. So Emily, what you said there, there was a, a, a part where you were talking about, you know, when you have that emotional recognition or, or a small emotional idea. And I think I think most entrepreneurs have been there. You know, they've all been sitting there and then something comes to them or, you know, the proverbial in the shower moment, right? Where you're washing your hair and you're like, oh, that's it. And they know, they can feel, I've been there, where you can feel that this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is how you you frame this one thing. But then when it comes to getting into the real world, and and you mentioned, you know, it might affect your sales process. It might affect your your company culture, how how you do things. I think that's where people get really hung up. It's it's blending that practical application of the big brand idea, the big mission that you feel within you. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. And like everything, what's in the gap is practice. <laughs> what's in the gap is vulnerability of, I'm not just going to say this, I'm not just going to have this statement, or I'm not just going to have this set of this mission. As Justin mentioned earlier, we also help our clients develop standards that are almost little mantras, five mantras that guide their work. I'm not going to have, just have these. I'm going to use them. I'm going to hold myself accountable to them because the brand starts with you. So what you want to attract, you must embody and, and again, we have this thought of like, oh, I have to do that tomorrow. How do I get this done? It's so huge. It starts one day at a time. It starts one step at a time. It starts with just using language. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves as entrepreneurs to have it figured out and to, we buy into this idea, we can, you know, 10X tomorrow. And it, it's not, it's about, you know, I played basketball growing up and in high school if you want to play, if I wanted to play on the high school team, I had to get out and practice dribbling and play one-on-one with one of my brothers and get schooled, <laughs> fail so many times, but come back to the practice and branding. So we believe that branding is really a practice. And so putting yourself in a position to have a supportive team around you, whether that's one person, whether that's a team like us to help support you in that practice is really vital to the overall execution of that strategy. So Justin, one of the things that you said earlier was that there are ways to, you know, show that rebellious nature, that renegade nature without being, I think the word you used was bombastic. 
And, you know, maybe there is some wordsmithing that's required to kind of get to that place. Uh, obviously, you know, if you're hiring a branding agency, you're going to get a lot of help and guidance in in the subject. But for the listeners who maybe aren't there yet, what would either of you say to to that, that when you have the big emotional idea, when you have that come alive moment, and then it does come to the the point where it's time to start practicing your brand and getting out there, like, like what do you do to break that down in those one day at a time ways? Yeah, it's a great question. So some of this is uh, aligned with the now quite famous Simon Sinek start with why, you know, TED Talk and book. Um, and it's really neuroscience. It's all emotion, all decisions are made in the emotional part of the brain. And so the emotional part of the brain does not react to information. If it did, then you know, ingredient panels would be on the front of the box, but they're not. They're on the side. So that emotional appeal that you're trying to uh, create comes from establishing or saying things as a belief. I believe, we believe. And when you get in that practice, as Emily referred to branding as a practice, one of those practices is when somebody asks you what you do, you don't answer the question what you do, you say why you do it, and then you answer what you do. So a lot of our work with our clients is to find that, as Emily said earlier, that root belief that starts with a we believe or an I believe. Then you'll notice once you have that, it's like the tip of the spear. You will use it multiple times per day. You'll use it in social media posts. You will use it in biz dev conversations and proposals and client engagements and on podcast interviews, all of the various places. You're suddenly what to talk about and what to say is is much more obvious. It's much more front of mind in the process. And as a useful tip to your listeners on this, the, the key to this is start with the actual raw truth in our root sessions, which are our primary experience that we take a client through, which is a day-long immersion into their brand and, their, and the future of their brand. We have something called the two shots of tequila rule, which is what would you say with your message if you had two shots of tequila in you? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's because you have to start with what's true. And one of the great like wastes, really, it's wasteful from a marketing and branding standpoint is to say stuff that either is ignored because it's not interesting or it makes your audience's BS detector go off. And so we see like, you know, like getting rid of cliches. We don't we don't believe in slogans and one liners and things like that that are like this thing that you hammer into the conscious of your market of the marketplace. You sh keep sharing your belief, but you don't need colloquialisms or jargon or jingles or any of that stuff. All of that is unnecessary, which then al allows you to focus on the thing that you most want to share with the world, which is why you do what you do. So when you're talking about, you know, not having one-liners, not having slogans, the first thing that came to mind to me is that a lot of times the things that we believe can almost end up feeling like a slogan for our business or a maybe even a jargon-filled, you know, thing that we say in every interview we give or in every, you know, social media post that we put out because we end up saying it so often, it almost ends up like, you know, losing its meaning. Like how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I think that's true. We we kind of when we're in that space, you know, before we actually really cross that bridge to use that analogy I, I mentioned earlier, we we do find language that sort of works and it sort of expresses and it's kind of right. And so we use it and then we use it and use it and use it. And this is where practice comes in. 
practices, you know, like at the end of basketball practice, we used to run terrible name, but suicides, right? So you, you run up and down the court. <laughs> Nobody wanted to do that. Nobody wanted to run until they felt like puking, but you, you do it because it's hard and you don't want to, and it will expand your, you as a player. Same with branding. It's like, you need to take a hard look at the language you are using because we do get lazy with our language. We rely upon it. And I think a little introspection on where you are, how your brand, how your business has evolved, where you're feeling called to energy, like where the energy is really rising. Like, I'm not so keen about this product or service line, but, oh, I'm really interested or I feel excited when I sit down to do this or when I'm working with a client in this way. And, and maybe looking at, well, how do I, you know, how do I encapsulate that? Or even better, Brittany, is talking to your clients, having a good visit around what's been your experience of this product, this service? How, what have you liked the most? What has stirred you? What kind of value have, have you experienced? And listening, being a reporter, I come from a journalism background, being a reporter in those moments and those conversations, writing down verbatim what people are saying will help reframe that language, freshen up that language give you a new perspective of what is truly valuable because you might think it's one thing, but your clients think it's another. You might think it's the awesomeness of your product when your clients are like, Oh, it's just because of you, Brittany. I'm just, I'm doing this because you're amazing and you always take my calls. And instead of, instead of uh, pushing that away, really going into that and what does that mean? I always take their calls. It means I'm receptive. It means I am open to their concerns. So really kind of digging into language and taking a, a step deeper to look at, at what you have been saying and then what the reality is and what other people are perceiving can help kind of jar yourself out of those routines. My final question for you guys as we start wrapping things up is on the topic of ethical marketing. Uh, I know you guys have some opinions on that. I do too, of course. But this year, as we move into 2021 here, is in my opinion going to be kind of a watermark year for a lot of online businesses. You know, so many new online businesses came in to play through the pandemic and everything. And now everyone's kind of, you know, leaving behind that we just got our feet wet and they're they're moving into this like now we got to make this work. Now we got to expand. Now we got to really put everything we have behind this. And I feel like there is so much potential for really good authentic work out there, but there's also a lot of potential for people to kind of fall into those jargony traps or those, you know, marketing tropes that we're unfortunately very familiar with. So what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think there's there's two things that come to mind is with that question is that, um, first of all, I love your uh, the way you shared, you know, what, you know, that, that's time to like gets almost get serious or really like, okay, this is what we're doing now. Let's do it. And one of our mantras or, or sayings is, is that a great brand solves a thousand business problems. Brand is the, the on, really the only factor other than yourself that stitches all of the various components of a business together. So getting it right, especially in the lens of intrinsic branding, getting it right so it's rooted in your soul, then goes to the second thing. The more rooted you are in your soul, the more ethical your marketing will be. As a pure practical Kind of to your point, like a watermark or a benchmark of ethical marketing, though, is is what we simply call the marketing golden rule, which is don't market to other people the way you wouldn't want to be marketed to. If you don't like getting spammed, if you don't like getting you know pitched constantly, if that's not appealing to you, don't do it to other people. And that's kind of the starting point for ethical marketing. 
The other thing to look into or to be aware of, and this is mostly related to scarcity mindset, so therefore it's almost impossible to do this if you're rooted in yourself, if you're rooted in your mission and your purpose of your brand. But the spirit of lack will bring up a, a tendency that we've noticed to either over-explain or over-persuade. And so replace that over-persuasion and over-explaining with storytelling, with behind the scenes content, stuff that's from your heart, stuff that's not just the usual how-to, but bring something different to the table that is useful to your audience or inspirational to your audience. And that kind of reduces the, the constant churn and pitch that marketing can become. I love that. And yes, being really rooted in, in as you guys called it earlier, your mission in, in everything that you're doing will definitely make it easier, but also, I don't know, more, more of a litmus test really for what you're going to be putting out there. Absolutely. That's a great point, Brittany. We, you know, with missions and not mission statements, yeah. missions are, <laughs> they're active things. So our mission, for example, is to inspire humans and leaders to go inward. That's it. And it's simple and super complicated and it is our focus. It is us looking at the earth from the moon. And if we don't, we use it every day to say, does this align with our mission? And there have been multiple instances where we're like, this could be lucrative or this could, you know, this could be good for the business in the short term, but it doesn't align with our mission or it, it puts us in a position to move away from the mission. And so we, we turn those down, but again, it's a really active rubric that, that becomes a pillar almost of the business that helps guide you. And it's not restrictive in a way. It, it moves you towards more meaning in your work, which again, as an entrepreneur, when things are meaningful and purposeful, we have more energy for them. And so it helps care for us. Uh, it's a way of, of being careful about our most precious resource in a, as a business, which is ourselves. Um, so very important to, to be active about the, the language that you create, not just think of it as a marketing tool, but think of it as a way of stewarding your business. Well, thanks, Emily and Justin. I, I really appreciate this. Can you tell me a little bit about what you guys have going on in the near future and how people can find you? The home for all of our stuff is our website, rootandriver.com, R-O-O-T-A-N-D, river.com. Specific to that, there are two things that we always want to draw people's attention to. One is that we have a community of ethical marketers called Being Marketers, and it focuses on the human side of marketing, which includes the, you know, the life of being a marketer. Um, and if you're a small business owner or self-employed, that's you. It's the same job. And the second is, is that we have a book out. You can view it on our website or just look for us on Amazon called Rooting Up, and it's uh, 44 essays on modern branding. It's it's our treatise to the world of, around intrinsic branding and how to think differently as a leader, as an owner, as a human about how you show up in the world with your brand and your message and all the things that make you who you are. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much. Welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. I know you guys have just experienced all the wonderfulness that was that interview with Emily and Justin. I cannot thank them enough. They really dove into topics and ideas that are, shall we say, more philosophical in nature than tangible. And that's hard sometimes, especially on a short interview. I think they did a great job of really talking into why a brand process is so necessary for a business that actually wants to make waves, that actually wants to take this year by the handles, by the horns, whatever you want to call it, and really make things happen. 
It's only going to happen when you are really true to yourself. And I love how they described how to get that out into the world. All right, guys, see you next week. 